I want you to look at Luke chapter number 16, and I want you to look at verse number 19, and I want to read some familiar scripture to you this morning. The Bible says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And I want to preach on this thought this morning. I want to preach on a place without grace. A place without grace. A place where there is no grace. And of course, that's what our scripture describes for us this morning. It is a place called hell. Let's pray. Father, we ask you, God, to help us, Lord, as we look in the Scripture today. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for the rejoicing of the saints of God. Lord, you have done a work in our hearts this morning. Thankful for every testimony. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, that has just helped me this morning tremendously. Lord, I'm burdened this morning. I believe you put this burden on my heart. I'm trying to just follow you. I'm not trying to just do this for the sake of doing it. But Lord, I, I know you put this on my heart today. Lord, I'm burdened this morning for those that can't rejoice. Lord, those that are either, uh, Lord, unsure, or Lord, maybe they're apathetic toward their soul, their eternal condition. Lord, I pray that you would do the work. You'll have to do it. I can't. Lord, I could preach till I'm blue in the face. and Lord, that's not going to change anybody. But Lord, the Holy Spirit can. And so Father, I pray Lord, that the Spirit of God wouldn't be quenched. Lord, if there's people in here, they know they're saved. Lord, please may we work extra hard this morning at not quenching you or grieving you. Lord, may the Spirit of God have free course and liberty to do what needs to be done. Lord, I pray that you touch me, my mind and my mouth. Lord, help me to say those things that would be right. And Lord, in your will today. And uh, Father, I pray that you'd get all the glory for whatever is accomplished, whatever is done. You alone are worthy of all of it. And Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, grace is what we have been looking at the last few 
weeks, months. That's what's been on my heart. I've, I've been examining grace in all kinds of places in the Word of God, and it's really not a hard thing. It's not a hard task to find grace in the Word of God. It's about on every page of the Word of God. You can see the grace of God. The grace of God is in creation, and the grace of God is even there with Adam and Eve in the garden after the fall, and Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord, and on and on. And just go through the whole Bible. Even in the tribulation period, you'll find grace. God is saving people, and the gospel is being preached, and the witnesses are preaching, and the angel is is declaring the everlasting and gospel all over the world and there's grace that's going on grace is about on every page of the word word of God however I want to point out to you this morning that there is one place in the Bible that you will find no grace we have just read a scripture this morning in which the grace of God is absent. There is no mercy. In fact, that's what the rich man calls out for in hell. He asked Father Abraham, he said, Have mercy, have mercy, but there is no mercy to be had. He's looking for grace, but he is looking for grace too late because there is no grace to be found. Most of the world laughs about the existence of hell. They don't take it very seriously. It's either a joke or it's a fairy tale or it's the butt of uh, some kind of a, uh, some kind of a, a punchline or something like that. Or yet they believe in the existence, but they only believe that really bad people go there or whoever they assess to be really bad, whoever they assess to be worthy. Maybe people they don't like, they'll tell them to go there. And people they don't like... Uh, uh, that's who belongs in hell. The really bad people of history, people like Hitler and Mussolini and and Stalin and all these kind of uh, you know dictators and and uh, and uh, and cruel leaders of history, they deserve to go to hell. But but nobody else. And so hell is just a, a place for the really really bad people, and that's what they say. But the Bible is very clear about not only its existence, but uh, but the those that will be there. The Bible says that there's none good, no, not one. The Bible says that all of us are under condemnation. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you have not done. It doesn't matter where you've been or where, or where you haven't been. If you've not been saved by the good grace of God, if your life has not been genuinely changed by the Lord Jesus Christ, then you, my friend, today are on your way to hell. You might be like this rich man and you might close your eyes today and you might lift up your eyes immediately in a place called hell. Jesus talked about it. All the prophets talked about it. All the, all the prophets talked about judgment. All the, uh, uh, Moses uh, experienced uh, uh, and watched somebody die and uh, go straight to hell. All kind of things you can find throughout the Word of God speak of hell. It is a real place. People really go there and people People really stay there. And as we've been preaching and thinking, and I thank God for it, and I hope we'll get back on it, preaching about the grace of God lately, and we've noted that the grace of God is anytime God makes a move in our direction, anytime He moves in our direction, anytime He's thinking about us, and it can be seen by His 
goodness in our life. Like Brother Trey was testifying about just a minute ago, looking around and seeing the blessings of God, seeing the goodness of God, seeing how good God has been in our life. That is grace. That is the grace of God in our life. But yet I want you to notice in hell, this is a place where the grace of God is absent. This is a place where God is not, and therefore grace is not. And we see that. But yet we're given a little bit of description of the life that these men lived before they each went out into eternity. And as I looked at this, I noted a few lessons about the grace of God. Just by way of introduction, right before I get to the message, I want, you to, point, I want to point out just a few lessons about the grace of God very quickly. Number one, grace is not foreign to all people. Grace is not foreign to all people. We all live in the grace of God. I don't care if you're lost. I don't care if you're saved. You are a recipient of the grace of God. This rich man had things, tangible things in his life he could point to. That's what Abraham told him, said, in your life you receive this good things. You know what that means? That means they were given to him. You received good things. Can I tell you that everything you have is because of the grace of God. Even if you're in here and you've never been born again. I want you to know that the breath in your body is the grace of God. Listen, the very roof over your head, the clothes on your back, the food on your table, that is the grace of God. Every single one of us in here, we can look around and point to good things like Abraham points out to the rich man as he's burning in hell. He said, you receive good things. God showed grace on your life. Even Lazarus was a recipient of the grace of God. He didn't have a lot of material things. He didn't have any material things. And man, he was at, he didn't have much health. He didn't have hardly any health. But even Lazarus was a recipient of the grace of God. You say, how so? Well, he was saved by the good grace of God. And I want to point out to you, even if you don't have any health, even if you don't have any wealth, uh, even if you don't have anything you could point at and say, man, look at that. If you're saved by the good grace of God, that is something that money cannot buy. That is something that, listen, you can't go to Walmart and pick it up. You can't save up and buy it. Listen, that is the good grace of God. And if us like Job, we lose everything in our life. Our health goes and our wealth goes and our family is gone and every good thing seems to be gone and absent from our life. Can I tell you, if you know Jesus, you have the grace greatest gift of grace that you could ever have. In fact, I'd say that is greater than any amount of money. That's greater than having a clean bill of health. That's greater than living in a mansion. That's greater than driving a new car. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Amen. And so they're both recipients of the grace of God in this life. Grace is not foreign to anybody. It's not foreign to all people. We all are all Recipients of the grace of God. Let me say something else I learned about grace in this text, in this story. That grace is not fair for all people. Grace is not fair for all people. Some people have more than other people have. Did you know that? In the material realm, some people have more than others. Did you know that? You say, where did it come from? It come from God. I don't care if they're lost. I don't care what they do for a living. Anything they have in their life is because God allowed it to take place. That's the grace of God on their life. Now, I will say this. Having more materially is not a sign of the approval of God on somebody's life. 
Just simply, listen, it just simply means that God has chosen to give them more. And by the way, that them having more might be some of the judgment of God on their life. Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter into heaven. Not because it's harder necessarily for one person to be saved than the other as far as the experience of salvation, but getting to that place where you realize you need a Savior. That's not easy for everybody. A lot of times it's easier. Listen, if it was a bad health report, if it was a broke, uh, a broke bank account, if it was somebody leaving you, forsaking you, if that's what caused you to look up and realize you needed Jesus, listen, that was the greatest thing that ever happened to you. Amen. Some of these uh, pop stars and sports stars and political stars and, and uh, celebrities of our day, they live in an ivory palace. They don't know what it is to go without. They don't know what it is not to have. They don't know what it is to worry about bills and all those kind of things. And they feel a false sense of self-sufficiency. And that in itself may be the judgment of God. You have no idea. Don't ever, ever, ever act like you want to trade lives with anybody because you have no idea what's going on. We don't believe in the prosperity gospel that if you're doing right, God will bless you financially. And if you're doing wrong, God will, God will take everything you have away financially. That's nowhere in the Word of God. But I want to say God does give, more peop- God does give some people more than others. And even in the spiritual realm, some people receive more light than others. Some of you, you've heard the gospel over and over and over and over and over and over. You've heard it clear. You've heard it plain. You've heard it preached by some of the greatest preachers in America. You've heard it over and over and over. And there's some, there's some, there's some living in this world today, they will only get just a, just a small glimpse of a clear presentation of the gospel, if that at all. I don't know why God does it that way. I don't know why God allows some to be born right in the Bible Belt and others to be born in the jungles of Africa. I don't know why. I just know God is God. But I just know something about grace is it's not fair. By grace, its very definition is getting what you don't deserve. You're thinking of justice. If you think of fairness, that's just... We ought to be glad God ain't giving out justice. He's a God of grace. And I don't know why God in their text, the godly man, the righteous man, the saved man, he's suffering, he has nothing. While the lost man, the unrighteous man, the ungodly man, he sits in his palace not knowing what it's like to want for anything. I don't know why, but I just know that's how God operates. Grace is not foreign to all people. Grace is not fair for all people. Here's what I want to get to. Grace is not forever for all people. Grace is not forever for all people. For the saved man, for those that know God, for those that know Christ... Grace is a blanket that continually covers Him. You live in grace. You're saved by grace. You die in grace. You'll spend eternity under grace. I thank God for His grace. There'll never be a day of my life when I am not living under the blanket of the grace of God throughout all of eternity. Check back with me about 7 million years from today and I'll still be basking in the grace of God. Amen. And so will you if you're saved by the good grace of God. But for the lost man, listen to me. For the lost woman, for the lost boy, for the lost girl, listen to me. Grace is a temporary benefit that you're enjoying right now. You get to have breath in your lungs. You get to have life in your body. You get to have the, the, the comforts of life. You get to have the, and enjoy the blessings of God. But I want you to know, listen to me and listen to me well. There will be a day when it will all expire. 
There will be a day when your life will be over and you will die. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment and then justice awaits. You will get what you deserve when this life is over. And if you are a sinner, sinners only get one judgment and that is eternity in hell. Justice is an eternity in hell and in the lake of fire. If you die without trusting the Lord Jesus Christ to be the substitution for your sins, then you have made the decision that you will pay for your sins yourself. And if you've made the decision that you're going to pay for sins yourself, then in hell you must go and spend an eternity there paying for your sins. And that's one place where grace is not. 1 Thessalonians 1 9, 2 Thessalonians 1 9 rather, tells us that eternal judgment and punishment is from the presence of God, separated from the presence of God. God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. He is in all places. There is nowhere that God is not except in hell. And if you live your life thumbing up your nose at God, tell Him you don't want to have anything to do with Him, and you don't want Him buttoning your life, and you don't want Him interrupting your life, and you don't want Him telling you how to live, and telling you what you can do and what you can't do, can I tell you, one day you'll get exactly what you want. You'll get a place where God is not. He won't bother you anymore. He won't be there to mess with you anymore. He won't convict you anymore. He won't shine His grace on your life anymore. There'll be no more of His sunshine. No more of His oxygen. No more of the the family that He's giving. No more of all these things. He will leave you all alone. That's what this world wants. Leave us alone, God. We don't want to have anything to do with you. Don't tell us how to live. Don't tell us what to do with babies in the womb. Don't tell us who we can marry. Don't tell us who we can live with. Don't tell me what I can do with my body. Don't tell me. And that's exactly what this world is. It's one great rebellion against God. It's one slap in the face of the only one that has ever done anything good for them, the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day they'll get exactly what they want. You don't want God? Then fine, you can spend eternity in a place where He'll never bother you again. But you just know this, that while you're living in the grace of God, it's only because there is a God. And listen, when you put God out, when you cut God out, and you are finally in a place of eternity without God, then you have chosen to spend a place in eternity without His grace as well. So that's one of the biggest blasphemies against God we have. We have a world that wants what God can give them, but they don't want God. God, we want your grace. We want your mercy. We want your blessings, but we just don't want you. I want health, and I want money, and I want my family, and I want my job, and I want my pleasure, and I want my vacation, and I want my comfort, but God, you leave me alone. Stay out of my life. And it don't work that way. You can't have one without the other. What does a place with no grace look like? What does a place where grace is absent, what does that look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like hell. Because that's what it is. The only place without the grace of God is hell. 
Here's what it looks like. Number one, this is real simple, but number one, no simple comforts. No simple comforts. Do you see what the rich man cried for? Verse number 24. He said, just a finger dipped in water and placed on my tongue. Man, what a, what a minuscule request. How many of you ever know what it's like to be thirsty? I'm a little thirsty right now, just to be honest about it, thinking about it. I better set this water over here just in case. How many know what it's like to be thirsty in the heat of the day, the hot of the day, working outside? How many of you have ever said, man, I am so thirsty. I tell you what I need. Just somebody dip their finger in water and just put it on my tongue. No, I've never, I've never asked for that. My kids would come to me and say, I'm thirsty. Man, if one of my kids come to me and said, Daddy, I'm, I'm thirsty. Please, will you just take a, just, a, just a drop of water and put it on my tongue? I'd say, what in the world? Let's get you something to drink. That, what, a, what a small request. What a, what a minuscule request. You would be, man, if somebody ever come up to you, and I mean legitimately, they're thirsty and they need something to drink and that's all they ask for, what kind of a heartless creature would you be to deny them? You really, if somebody knocked on your door, if somebody come up to you at the gas station or the Walmart parking lot and they looked like they were about to die and they just asked for one drop of water, how many of you would go get them a whole bottle of water? I think I would. Can I tell you something about hell? There's no grace there. There's no mercy there. The time for grace is over. His request just for a small drop of water is denied. Lazarus, please, just one drop. Kind of like Lazarus just wanted one crumb, but he never got it. Just one drop, please. Abraham says no. It's actually impossible because there's a gulf that's fixed and it is impassable. We cannot come to you. You are in a place where there is no grace. Think of all the beverages that this man had access to. Anytime he wanted, he could have whatever he wanted. The Bible says that he fared sumptuously every day. Every single day. That means he had more than enough, more than enough to spare. He had all that he wanted. There was no comfort in this life that he did not have access to. And can I tell you, that was the grace of God in his life. Every one of us, we look around at the comforts of life. And I'm not, I've said a lot about that already. I'm not going to go through all of them again. But look at the comfort, just the simple things. And by the way, we have it much better than this rich man had it. You think this rich man had it? He didn't have a little box on the wall that you could, you know, bump it up one degree or bump it down one degree. Come on now. He didn't have a car. He didn't have a, he didn't have a, oh, the house that you live in is much better than the house that he lived in. I guarantee it. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't know what Google was. 
He didn't have Uber and he didn't have pizza delivery. We got it much better today. Thank God for pizza delivery. Amen. We got it much better today than this rich man even had it in his day. That's grace. But can I tell you what he had? Where, what does it look like when there is no grace, when there is no the grace of just a simple comfort of life? It's torment is what it is. In fact, four times in our text you'll find that word torment. It just simply means torture. That word is used by... <clears throat> that word is used by... Uh, by uh, uh, is used to mean the same thing as, a, as the torture device, a device that somebody was strapped to, they'd be interrogated to, interrogated on, and, and they would be tortured until they told the truth. That's the idea. John the Baptist called hell a baptism of fire. To be totally immersed in the lake of fire, he called it an unquenchable fire. Jesus mentioned the fires of hell no less than 15 separate times in his preaching, probably more. He called it unquenchable. He called it an everlasting fire. <clears throat> he called it a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. He called it a place, he said, where their worm never dies. Can you imagine being somewhere where you burn and burn and burn and burn and you're never consumed. It never ends. You never get any kind of relief. Even death would be a relief. Even just to get away from it, anything would be a relief. But there is none at all. It is for all of eternity. Some of you in here, you're enjoying the good things just like the rich man did in his life. While you acknowledge the gifts and you enjoy the gifts that he gives you, you like what he gives you. You don't have any care at all for the giver of those things. And can I tell you, that kind of life right there, it only has one destination. It ends in torment. Torment in fire. Because there is no grace in hell. All comforts of life will be gone. There will be no comfort in hell at all. Not only no simple comfort, but secondly, no what I'm going to call special companionship. There is no special companionship. It's amazing how immediately when he gets to hell, after he, his request is denied for his the water on his tongue, he immediately starts thinking about others. He thinks about the five brothers that he has at his father's house. And no doubt he enjoyed, the this rich man enjoyed the companionship of these five brothers while he was living. But this was not a place that he wanted their fellowship. This was not a place that he wanted them to follow him. You know, some people think that hell is just going to be some kind of big party where they're going to hook up and hang out. And it's just going to be like some like the parties they enjoy on earth. Hell's going to be the same way. Can I tell you, listen, you won't want anybody to come join you there. You will not want anybody to fellowship with you there. It was a place where he did not want anybody to follow, follow him. Can I tell you something about fellowship, friendship, brotherhood, sisterhood, family, kin? Can I tell you something about that? Those are the, grace, the graces of God on your life. To enjoy fellowship. If, if, you get to, if you get to enjoy fellowship with your mom today, you ought to thank God for that. That's the grace of God on your life. If you get to enjoy today with your family, you ought, to, you ought to thank God. That is the grace of God on your life. If you can go through life and at least have maybe just one or two people that you can say, hey, those are my friends. I got a good friend in them. You ought to thank God. That's the grace of God on your life.
Companionship is grace. Friendship is grace. Family is grace. Fellowship is grace. But can I tell you, none of that is in hell. None of it is there. There's no friendship in hell. There's no fellowship in hell. There's no family in hell. It's not a big get-together, my friend. There is no special companionship in hell at all. It is the most lonely, isolated feeling that you will ever feel in your entire life. It's a place that is marked by intense loneliness and isolation. And it's not because there aren't other people there. Because hell is full of people. But hell will be lonely and hell will be isolated. Not because there's nobody else there. But because the grace of God is not there. And where the grace of God is not, you cannot enjoy fellowship and friendship and companionship. I'm here to tell you, friend, there is no fellowship in hell. You won't want anybody to join you there. You won't want anybody to come after you there. There's no grace there. There's no simple comforts. Hell, that's what grace grace gives the simple comforts of life, doesn't it? But there's none of that in hell. Grace gives special companionship in life, doesn't it? But there's none of that in hell. I'll give you one last one, I'm done. There'll be no second chances. In hell. You know one of the greatest things about the grace of God is that it pick, you fall down and it picks you up. Aren't you thankful for restoring grace? Aren't you thankful for healing grace? Aren't you thankful for forgiving grace? Aren't you thankful for pardoning grace? I cannot tell you how many times the good grace of God has picked me up and the good grace of God has wiped off my sin and put me on my feet again. Man, thank God He forgives over and over and over. If we confess our sin, thank God He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Thank God for grace. There's none of that in hell. There are no second chances in hell. There are no do-overs. There's no forgiveness. There's no restoration. There's no mercy. There's no grace. Verse 26, Abraham makes it real clear to Lazarus. We can't go to you. You can't come to us. He said, neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. You can't get out. See, some of you say, yeah, well, you know, I, man, I just mess up. And, you know, God's grace always forgives me and just picks And I'm just, you know, if, if God really, maybe I'll get serious about getting saved one of these days because, you know, right now I just, it doesn't seem like, Anything, you know, anything's happening. I'm doing what I want and everything's fine. Can I tell you, that will not always last. There will be a day when grace has run out. There will be a day when mercy is no more. There will be a day when forgiveness cannot be found anywhere. And it is over. Your fate is absolutely one. 100% for all of eternity sealed up done no grace Jesus called it an unquenchable fire he called it an everlasting fire somebody said that the hell of hell is that it is forever 
One of the worst parts about hell is knowing that you'll never get out. You know, anybody can endure anything. Seems like any, anybody can endure a lot of things when it feels like, hey, this will end. It's going to be over. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. This will all be done in a little while. You can about endure anything. But can I tell you, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. It's outer darkness. It's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's continual everlasting sorrow and there will absolutely be no second chance. How many times has God dealt with your heart? How many times has He told you you're lost and you need to be saved and you've said no and you've spurned His invitation and every time it gets just a little bit easier and your conscience is almost hardened, it's almost seared, it's almost like God is just about to leave you alone, but here it is, maybe another opportunity, maybe another chance. You may never have another one, but the reason you have this one is because you are breathing in and breathing out the grace of God and you are living in grace right now. This is it. This is your opportunity. But as soon as you die, the chances, the opportunities, the availability, it's gone. It's all over. There is no other chance. It's it. No other chance. That's why the Bible says, now is the accepted. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off another minute. Because you don't even know if you have another minute. You can go out in eternity anytime. Anytime. You may live another hundred years. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. I don't know how anybody, I don't know, I don't know what you have. You may live a hundred years. I don't know. But you may not live a hundred seconds. And for you to gamble with your soul and act like you got all the time in the world and just presume against the grace of God. That's foolish, my friend. That's foolish. God has grace. He's so gracious. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how many times you told Him no. If He's dealing with you right now, there is grace where your sin abounds. Grace much more abounds. And there's grace. And I don't care where you're at. There is grace in your place. But if you don't act, there will come a time when you will go to a place when there is no more grace. That's all I'm trying to say. You don't have forever. Man, you can hear a voice from hell crying out. And he can't cry out for himself. But he's crying out for his brothers. Do you hear him? He said, Abraham, please, just send somebody. Send somebody from the dead. Abraham says, no. If they don't believe this, they wouldn't believe it even if somebody rose from the dead. You say, how do you know that? Well, because somebody did rise from the dead. His name's Jesus. He got up. And it's all right here. And if you can't believe this, if you can't believe this right here, listen, you can't believe anything. You don't need a miracle, you don't need a sign. You don't need a wonder. God has sent you a preacher with a warning. And if you don't heed this, if you don't hear this and heed this, you'll probably recollect and think, as far as we know, he still has a memory in hell. One of the worst things about hell will be that memory of the chances and the opportunities that were squandered and wasted away. Gone. 
There might be somebody in hell right now that knows you. They know you. And they're calling out your name in hell right now. They don't want you to come there. They don't want you to go there. They don't want you to experience what they're experiencing. There's somebody, somebody in hell might be praying for you right now. Miss Maddie, I want you to come around to the piano. I know this is, I'm just minding the Lord. I, I don't apologize for it. I just mind God. I know it's a serious subject, but listen to me. It's real. It's real. I wouldn't preach to you if it wasn't real. I wouldn't preach to you if I didn't care. God, you say, what is this message? This is such a judgment message. This is such a mean message. No, 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 no. Listen, this is grace. The fact that you have been warned, that's grace. It means God loves you. It means God wants you. It means God's reaching out to you. He's reaching out for you. That's grace. That's grace. Now, how will you respond to His grace today? Let's stand together all over.